Are your customer acquisition costs too high? Lifetime values too low? Are you uncertain if your communication strategies are helping or hurting the efficiency and effectiveness of your marketing efforts? Welcome to the Continuous Revenue Marketer Podcast, where the most influential marketers in the world are sharing their insights and lessons on the critical topics they and their chief executive must address daily. How to drive consistent business growth while delivering revenues through profitable new customer acquisition and customer lifetime value maximization strategies. What you'll hear today by listening to this podcast are the actual strategies and tactics used by our marketing experts to achieve these critical missions. Hi, I'm Russell Kern. I'm the CEO and founder of Kern and Omnicom Agency, and I'm joined today by my co-host and producer, Elliot Dennis. And I'm very excited today to introduce our special guest, Blair Wilson, the new CMO of Hal Leonard, a very unique company, one that um, you'll learn a lot about, one that you probably have never heard of unless you're in the music industry, but an incredible company that's a leader in making music happen and bringing music to all of us. So with that, Elliot, given your deep relationship with Blair, I think it would be most appropriate for you to start the conversation off. Yeah, Blair, great to see you. Last time I saw you, it was a March 2020 drinking hand and an A&A event right for the world shutdown, right? So all we've changed come so far in just two years, right? That's true. Great to see you, Russell. Appreciate the invitation. Great to meet you and, and be Thank on the you. podcast today. Uh, yeah, definitely a lot. A lot has changed since we last crossed paths in, uh, in Arizona. Pretty wild. Yeah, I had to say that we're, you know, seeing virtual again for the first time in two years. It's just wild. We talk about that all the time in this podcast. So, you know, so congrats, you know, since we once we last got together, I know you have a very diverse background from managing e-commerce and finance, to online education and brand management from companies like Kraft and uh, Sartori, et cetera. So can you give us a little background to our audience on, you know, your career path and what drove you to Hal Leonard and to your kind of first CMO role? Sure. Yeah. So my, my background kind of two stages of things. I, I kind of put it as a kind of a pre-business school, post-business school. Pre-business school was really involved in technology and e-commerce, but felt a drive to go and get my MBA to become more of a a general manager, to kind of better understand brand and better understand how to to really operate in a full enterprise. And, you know, no surprise, it's really in in CPG that marketers are kind of given the reins to look more broadly at, at an enterprise and be able to make, whether it's product decisions, consumer decisions, it's not just about kind of the promotional aspects of the four P's, but really kind of that holistic view. And so I joined Kraft and had a great run there. Really, really, really loved that experience, um, but felt really attracted to the middle market. That's just, for me, I think there's more of an impact uh, personally, being able to have on people, being able to have on culture uh, and on customers. And so that really kind of led my shift to more of a a mid-market play and was able to get a lot more involved with sales. I uh, have a lot more cross-functional ownership and responsibilities. And that kind of naturally led to, to Hal Leonard for me. There was just kind of a joint need that they had as a business. Uh, Hal Leonard, for those who, who aren't aware, it's a, a 75-year-old business that's really in the business of making music makers. So if you have perhaps a child who's learning clarinet or trombone, if you have a child in choir, you know, they're likely learning, you know, from our materials. Uh, let's say you're maybe a, 
a hobbyist, you know, you're picking up the guitar again in the garage or like so many did over COVID, you know, playing, kind of bringing that back up, right? Some nostalgia. Uh, you're likely playing some some Hal Leonard aspects. And so Hal Leonard really found themselves at a crossroads around, hey, how do we create um, and unify our brand? How do we go uh, more towards consumer and how do we kind of digitize our efforts? And I've been attracted in my career towards solving different problems. And those problems seem like an interesting one to wake up and get after. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And actually leads me to one of my other questions I, I had for you is exactly that we were talking about before we started. I, I never realized how much I knew Hal Leonard growing up, you know, because it was, you know, in junior high, you know, learning clarinet, saxophone, and obviously reading that sheet music from Hal Leonard the whole time. So, you know, so, you, you know, to, so for all of us to understand, Hal Leonard is the largest print sheet publisher in the world. And you literally invented that category and you're celebrating, you know, 75 years but you're also a leader in digital music technology. And, and, you know, and when you were brought on board, your CEO, Larry Morton, uh, stated that he looks forward to you helping grow your digital marketing efforts to ensure that you're reaching all your audiences in the most effective means possible. So can you unpack that a little bit for audience? You know, what are some of the strategies you could share for achieving those goals? Sure. So, so let me start it. It's, it's genesis of, of Hal Leonard, as you mentioned, inventing the category. Like our goal, kind of what gets us out of bed every day is trying to help people make music. And so our founders were music makers, they were band teachers. And, you know, most of what kids want to play is they, they don't want to play Bach. You know, some do, but they, they want to play Lady Gaga. They want to listen to Top Gun. They want to, you know, and play these songs that are at the kind of the cultural zygist. And so, what our founders realized, this isn't a, a new insight, right? So this, this was back in the 50s. Um, they're like, hey, what we need to do is take whatever are these kind of best charts, the best songs, and how do we arrange them and compose them for bands to be able to play? So those things that you hear when you're going to the high school football game Friday nights and they're playing, you know, a tune, we, we literally have people in our office that take those charts and make them you know, okay, how can a fifth grade band uh -huh. play this? All right. Hey, how can a choir that hasn't practiced, by the way, in two years because of COVID, how can we get a choir to, to sing that song? Right. And so that, that was how Leonard's Genesis and, and we really kind of have then blown it out. Um, but to your question about kind of this digital aspect, it's uh, musicians are, it, it's really unique. Um, most don't just play a single instrument. So if you have that, let's pick a choir director, choir director at the local middle school, likely he or she is probably doing some private lessons on the side during summer for income. Likely they might have a little gig that they do um, for weddings, maybe two, three times a year. And probably uh, if they're connected, maybe with their church is that they're the one responsible for, you know, purchasing the music for their church on Sundays. And so how Leonard, how we view, we kind of try to step back and look at this full lifespan of a musician and it's not completely linear, right? There are these different paths. And so digitally, right, we're able in a position to understand how are people interacting with our music in different products. And really what I've been trying to do is trying to identify kind of those individual insights, right? And create essentially patterns so we know from our product mix, hey, there's an opportunity here for us to deliver. Or it's like, oh, hey, Russell loves guitar, but based on his buying history and what he's looking at, he might actually really be interested 
in some of our equipment that we have or other things. And so trying to become more in tune with our customers, more relevant in our recommendations and our cross-sell opportunities to really magnify them. Nice, nice. Elliot, I'd I'd like to sort of just take a second of a tangent for one moment, which is I love the fact that what gets the whole company up every day is making music makers. And I, I wondered, you know, I'm a huge fan of leadership culture and, you know, what is what is culture and how does it drive the organization? How does it feel? How does the company make it? Where did it where does the DNA sit? How did you get infected by it? <clears throat> what is it really the true driver? Can you just explain your your culture a little bit? Because I think marketing is an outcome of cultural passion. And boy, oh boy, you're, you, the way you articulated that passion was so clear. Maybe you could have just, I'd love to hear more about that, especially now as you're the CMO who has to now carry that forward. Yeah, for sure. No, and there's there's definitely kind of, there's internal and external marketing, right? And these different stakeholders, whether it's our employees, whether it's our customers, whether it's kind of our board and governance, and so our community. So there's kind of that that full range. And, and internally, it, it is. There's um, what's amazing about music and music making is just how pervasive and long in a history it, it has. Things things are going to come and go. Krispy Kreme donuts, I love you. I don't know if you're going to stay around, right? And, and that's not any knock on them. But it's just, hey, we have these things that kind of flare up uh, in our in our society. And music has been something. Whether you go back, hey, to the to the it's ancient, ancient, ancient history. You look within caves and what they paint on the walls. That connection, and so. Granted, those instruments, that forms, obviously recording, the way it's distributed, right, with what's gone on from whether it's CDs to Spotify, that that's going to stay. And but there's there's a real distinction between those who appreciate music. And don't get me wrong, if you have a Spotify subscription or hey, you listen to it in your home, hey, there, there's something about that. But there's a different cohort, a different group about who get inspired, motivated around making music. And so we have a, a building, Russell, of people full who are passionate about making music. Um, I'll pick on this because Elliot's familiar with it. We're, we're Midwest guys. The One of the largest outdoor concerts in the world, it, it is in the U.S., in the world, it's called Summerfest. And so it happens on, on the shores of Lake Michigan and Milwaukee. It normally happens over 10 days. Tons of bands come in, everyone ranging from Megadeth to Justin Bieber. I mean, pick pick the range of, uh, of folks. And our company and here in Milwaukee, you know, we're a global company. Here in Milwaukee, we maybe have 120 folks. We had over 30 people playing shows at Summerfest ah. that, were, that were bands. And so you can't just like randomly show up, right? You need to be a pretty talented musician. You need to be able to play. And so we have folks and that's, that's our head of sales. That's our head of customer success. Those are our customer service reps. I mean, it's it's kind of the full kind of range of folks. And so there, there really is this passion around music making and, and being able to be kind of connected into that culture. And so that, that really drives a lot of the thinking then when we think about products, Russell, and, and how it is pervasive in our culture is around, hey, what are the needs? And, and I really try to think around two points. Uh, pain and patterns. Okay, what what is what is the pain point, and is there a pattern around that? Is that just a unique pain that Russell like feels a, a, alone, or hey, probably in in a country of you know 350 million people in a world of four billion, 
hey, there, there's probably more than one person feeling that pain. And so can we connect a pattern? And that allows us to kind of message and do products at scale. So, so for me, it's around pain and patterning. I love that. I love that concept. I also love, I love the aspect of the authenticity that comes to your marketing from the fact that we are of our market, right? We're not just playing at music. We are music makers. And I think many agencies and even, you know, are they authentic, authentic of what they're selling, you know, on the, on the client side, okay, I'm a, I'm a craft uh, cheese lover. So I'm eating macaroni and cheese or whatever, but the, the depth and the passion of the art of music as a company is pretty fascinating. And I thank you for sharing that. So Elliot, I'll let you go from there, but I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. I think that speaks a lot to yours and, you know, your company's <laughs> success, that, that passion really understand how to, you know, serve that customer so well, that's passionate about that as well. I also thought was very interesting was, you know, your, your CEO, Larry Morton, who was just promoted CEO 2019 before, you know, hiring uh, you on, spent 20 years at Hotliner starting everywhere from national sales managers or VP of sales. So, you know, to really see someone that understands that sales background and you yourself, you know, having sales backgrounds before becoming CMO. So, you know, so as a CMO, you know, what's it like reporting to a CEO with such a strong sales background that really understands the role marketing plays to drive revenue? especially the digital era, you know, as we talk about continuous revenue marketing on this podcast a lot? Yeah, so no, great, great question. And, and Larry's fantastic. So Larry's a 30-year veteran of Hal Leonard, as you mentioned, kind of became CEO here in 2019. And in the CMO role, uh, I wish I could tell the exact date of this study, but there was there was a great, great article in the Harvard Business Review that that kind of broached the subject around CMOs. Uh, CMO, it's, it's really unique. Uh, versus when you look across the other C-suite roles, mainly let's talk about your CFO or CEO or others, is that it can be viewed in a variety of ways. And what I've noticed is kind of two main distinctions is that you can have CMOs that are really connected more around communication. And so around that brand voice of the company and communication out. And so they're responsible for, you see those CMOs that really have a lot of kind of ad production. Their measurements are a lot more around Hey, kind of impressions, deliverables, sentiment. And then you have CMOs that are more connected commercially. You know, those who are more involved in terms of setting strategic direction. Typically, some of these might be PL owners. The, the prior probably doesn't have PL responsibility, the latter does, um, and those kind of distinctions. And so to me, I think that's probably the most important conversation any CMO can have with their CEO. And that I think gets aligned to the board as well is what is the role of, of the CMO? What is kind of the need of the business? Because it can be fluid. It can be based on, you know, what are kind of some of the brand challenges, the business challenges that's going on. It can be based upon just kind of the strength of the bench. It can be based upon what are the different strengths and opportunities of the other C-suite members. And so uh, to me, that's really, really important. And having someone like Larry, who really understands the full enterprise, you know, we're able to have very productive conversations around identifying, hey, what are going to be value drivers? What are kind of the needs here to create customer value, to create value for employees, and then to create shareholder value, which is, you know, really important for us. Nice. Nice. Yeah. As we kind of wrap up, just a few kind of questions I'm sure audience would love to hear, you know, with your business being such, you know, traditional focus, you know, how you've migrated, you know, and keep kept up with the current and future state of digital and as it pertains to music technology. So, 
know, even with the majority of your business being analog, traditional publishing, you've always been at the forefront of digital. In fact, you actually launched, uh, what was it, sheetmusicdirect.com a couple of years ahead of iTunes. So yeah. but it was so specific to your, you know, your niche audience at the time. It wasn't really kind of as uh, consumer focused known, you know, as iTunes. Like you said earlier, as you're trying to change that perception, you know, kind of in mass, um, how are you keeping up with the speed of digital transformation? And, you know, what are some of the omni-channel marketing strategies that you can share that have been successful and maybe some that haven't been so far as you go on that journey? Sure. So yeah, our business, you know, we're probably 35, 40% of our revenue is, is digital now at this point. And obviously a kind of a decade ago that, you know, would have looked like 5%. So we, it's been, it's been kind of a, a massive change for us. Uh, keeping up with the change, you know, I think that's what's it's, it's almost as soon as you kind of go with a vendor or you purchase whatever it might be your uh, CM or CDP, or you get on a new ESP pr- aspect, it, it becomes dated, right? It's almost kind of like buying a car. You kind of get your new car and then, Hey, the next model comes <laughs> out. Right. And so you're uh, okay. you, right. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me for, for us, it's really trying to understand value. You know, at, at times you can get sucked into Google's way of measurement and, and looking at the world. You can get sucked into Facebook's way of, of their metrics. And, and right, I've never spoken to a rep who said, hey, you should spend less, right? And, and it's, uh, right, if, if, you have a, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So, uh, so it really takes, I think, some operational discipline, you know, from the company to understand, hey, what are going to be the growth drivers? What do we really need to understand? You know, sometimes, sometimes you just need a Toyota. You don't need a Ferrari to be able to do these things. But then there's other times you do, right? And so I, I think where I've seen or experienced the most mistakes is by taking a broad brush and not being more surgical in terms of what are the solutions, being more disciplined on terms of what that output is. Because I mean, we're Martin, we, we know everything can't be measured, right? But there are some fundamental things that, hey, what's happening? What, what is it looking like in my customer acquisition? What is it looking like in terms of my lifetime value? What is it looking like of my top line revenue and such? If, if, we aren't, if you aren't getting those kind of positive metrics, uh, then you know you need to reevaluate. So I wouldn't say we've like cracked the code that we have. I, I wish for the listeners I had kind of this silver bullet of, oh yeah, hey, if you purchase X, like, you know, it un- unlocks all the growth in the world. Um, I think it's more about having disciplined conversations, understanding your customer, understanding what I get back to this pain points are. How do we think they're going to operate in the future and what bets we want to make? And I think that's where you see bets like, hey, Peloton made a bet. Sorry, didn't work. You saw, hey, today in terms of Instacart, they made a bet. Sorry, that's not working, right? Like there's there's things that happen and change. And so how agile are you as a team to be able to react to consumer preference in terms of business and and be able to put yourself in a position to be in your planning horizon. So hopefully we're making the right bets. Yeah, you know, it's a very interesting thing. And hopefully we have a few more minutes is I was reading again an article about uh, leadership and a strong balance sheet. And with a strong balance sheet, leadership is always prepared for the shock of a bet that doesn't work, right? They never bet the whole bank, the whole business on on the on it. So I have to assume that Hal Leonard has a very strong balance sheet. And what you were what you were what I was questioning as you were discussing that is given the history and given how focused you are, 
how much of your business is about creating new demand versus maximizing the value of the of the customer base at the way musicians live their lives in other words is it really is it a problem that i need to create new demand and bring in new musicians or the truth is everyone generally finds us but our real opportunity is to make sure that we can help them open up to new instruments and and teach more people and and be part of their whole life as you described how do you balance that value optimization versus generate net new customer yeah i love it russell that's a real perceptive question you know to to the first thing is you know for for those listeners we're we're a midwest based milwaukee company 75 year history so our our balance sheet is extremely strong and that comes from a, a different risk profile right <laughs> when you look at when you look at our growth kegers and, and others it's probably reflective of that we're not we're not being like Tesla and putting a bet, you know, on of Bitcoin on our cash balances. So it's, yeah. you know, it's, we're, we're doing, we're doing some So it's, so right there, there's good and bad with those things. Right. But, but in terms of our look, and, and I agree hundred percent with that. Um, the interesting thing about, about musicians and what you spoke about is that there's this eternal nature to music, right. And most of us, many of us uh, feel the siren song right? In, in some ways. And I, and I believe, and this is a, a belief of Blair, so take it for what it's worth, is that all of us are meant to be creators. And that doesn't mean to mean create music, but I think there's something about us that is driven to, to create in, in some way. And so for many of those, right, it, it comes to, to music. And so we don't need to uh, fortunately create that urge. It's something that's almost kind of built within us and born into us uh, to create around music. So a lot of it is around, hey, how do we become most efficient at capturing demand versus kind of creating that demand? What gets interesting though, is music isn't easy. And so you see that within many, and I'll, I'll pick on guitar because it can be different by, by instrument and things is that those who pick up the guitar in the first year, 90% of them are going to quit. I recently kind of with the, the CMO of Fender. So Fender, Fender Guitars, probably many know the brand or listening, you know, they saw those that day of that, well, we're selling so many of these uh, low point entry guitars, but, but 90% are, are leaving. But those who continue, right, had a lifetime value of over $10,000. Wow. So it becomes right there, it becomes this massive barbell like it's wow. that, that LTV is a zero or it's, or it's 10 grand, wow. but and within a consumer business, that's a big number. I know for, you know, our B2B counterparts, it's not, but um, so that disparity then becomes, Hey, how do you get, how do you help people continue to fight through the struggle? How do you get people to help kind of stay in and be able to, to learn? And so that's, that's one of the things that we think about a lot, right? Is, is we try to explore and that's within, whether it's that cross sell or information or dealing with those pain points around, hey, how do we keep people involved in music making? Because once you kind of get over that hump of some level of competency, you tend to stay around and you really then begin to diversify and experiment. Hey, maybe I'll start recording a little bit. All right, hey, maybe I'll share that with my friend. Oh, hey, this was good. Maybe I'll actually share, you know, and so, we it, it percolates, but that's um, getting back to your question, Russell. That's that's a big thing for us. Is first initially, hey, how do we how do we capture that demand that's being generated out there, right? And then once they're within one of our franchises, 
Um, how do we make sure that we're keeping them and exposing them to things that we think is beneficial to music makers? Thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Yeah, actually, our closing question is always around, you know, what advice would you give other CMOs? And so you've already been giving me so many great tips. Thanks, Blair. So here's what we just kind of kind of glance past. So maybe in, in closing here, you know, what advice would you give to other CMOs to ensure they're reaching all their audiences, especially if they're on opposite eye, um, sides of the spectrum? Because, in, you know, in your case, yeah, you have your your retailers, your, your, your franchisees, you also have your own DTC channels. When you do work with big box like Amazon, Best Buy, B2B, like schools and churches, et cetera. So with such a vast array of, of customers, uh, what tips do you give uh, so that make sure that you are reaching people um, as efficiently as you can when they have such different needs? Sure. No, great question. You know, for us, I think it it boils down to understanding our partner's value proposition. The, the value prop of Amazon is categorically different than the local kind of music shop in our neighborhood, Brass Bell, right? And so what they what their needs are, how they connect with their customers, kind of the scale, those things are vastly different. And so, but then again, it, it gets back, and maybe I'm a you know broken wheel on this thing, is that it gets back to that that pain point and patterning. So the the pain point and an issue that Brass Bell Music has here in Milwaukee is likely similar right to Mel's shop in Arizona, which is likely the same as in it. And so once you can put that together, you know, we really try to help our retailers, help our dealer partners with their needs. But right, we have a team. I have a team. There's, you know, three folks who wake up every day thinking about Amazon. And so in terms of, <laughs> all right, what's what's happening at Amazon today? What are we doing with our pages? How are we promoting, sponsoring? What are we doing with co-op dollars, et cetera? And so, you know, it wouldn't make sense to have them working on the same pieces. So, you know, my advice to CMO to CMOs are, hey, do you really understand the value proposition of your customer? Do you understand how they are trying to serve their end customer? Because at the end of the day, it's it's distribution in a way of our product, right? And so we need to make sure our product team is still delivering an end result that's killer, you know, for for that need at the end of the day. So to me, it gets back to value prop, gets back to product. And then you just think about, okay, what are, what are the different messages? What are the different ways to deliver this at scale, at cost in a way that's personalized against the patterns that you know are going to drive LTV within your business? So easier said than done, but that's, that's definitely how we try to think about it. Oh, I love it. I love the concept of pain and pattern. You know, as neuromarketers and neuroscientists, we always talk a lot about you know, pain, claim, and gain, but we don't talk about pattern and this aspect of what is the pattern of purchase, that sort of thing. I think it's a great addition that you've added. So Blair, I thank you very much. And therefore, I want to conclude by saying on behalf of Elliot and myself, I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank Blair for his time today. And please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any other future episodes. And until next time, I'm Russell Kern. The Continuous Revenue Marketer has been brought to you by Kern, an Omnicom precision marketing agency that helps Fortune 500 companies increase revenue from customer acquisition to loyalty through personalization at speed and scale. For more information, please visit kernagency.com.